to the Idea Collision. My name is Andrew Green. I'm your host of this podcast. Um, and uh, this podcast begins from the assumption that we are spiritual beings. Um, and, and the world around us is a, one that, is, that, that composes at least one of the, the primary elements. So, so that spirituality connects to our physical nature. It connects to our emotional nature. And if that is the case, then then that means that spiritual topics aren't separate from everything else, that, that we don't divide it and put everything into neat little boxes, but that uh, that spirituality connects to those topics. And so um, we've begun in this podcast, in this series, uh, looking at some, um, what I think is probably the most important topic and, and some various subtopics within that. We're talking about truth, and we've gone through um, and, and looked at the history, recent history, or relatively recent history of, of the United States, and uh, seen how, uh, how truth has kind of been, I don't want to say assaulted, because that's kind of a, uh, that's a charged reference, but it's certainly been up for interpretation, we'll put it that way. And we've seen the effects of generations. We began, actually, not even talking about philosophy, but seeing how generations affect other generations in terms of uh, the consequences of actions and uh, even the just the, the results of situations that people have no control over uh, and how we go from one generation to another and, and but also at the same time how how philosophies were changing and so uh, we're going to kind of go back through uh and and look at um some different ideas um and and i want to share a video uh with you in this we'll, we'll just kind of uh watch that together here in a second uh and and illustrate that that there is a deeper movement to to what we call postmodernism or modernism is kind of, they're kind of really evolutions of the same thing uh but but postmodernism is is really affecting society and i want to talk today about truth and postmodernism and, and and look at the flaws of of postmodernism and talk about why truth really does have to exist it has to be a real thing, an absolute truth has to be a real thing. Before we can have any discussions, we kind of have to nail that down. Is is this is that a true uh, assertion or not? And so, um, I want to uh, look at. Well, first of all, we want to kind of define the two things as best as we possibly can. Uh, the entire idea of science and abs- it, it, the premise of it is that truth existed before us and that laws existed natural laws existed before us and and our purpose as scientists if we're scientists of what type or another and uh it, it, that is to to discover those to to investigate and discover those laws and and try to to figure out what those things are so that we can manipulate them uh not in a negative sense, but we we manipulate the laws of science, say, to create uh, electricity in our homes, or or to do any number of things. Um, and but but that can only be done if we observe scientific rules. Uh, fly planes, do whatever you want to do. Any technology is a manipulation of science. 
Well, modernism came along and it said, well, that's not, that's not a reliable thing. Uh, it denies the very existence. Modernism says, well, we want it to be subjective and up for interpretation, my truth, your truth, um, kind of thing. But, but postmodernism actually goes a little bit further. It borrows from that, and it will even use the same phrases. But that it actually goes a little bit further and uh, denies the existence of absolute truth in science completely. And I know that sounds like I'm making that up. And he's like, who would deny science? We hear a lot about science. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, so I, I want to play for you a, a video uh, just so that you can, so you, you can see this for yourself. Uh, and this is a, a short clip uh, of, of students at Cape Town University. This is South Africa. This is um, this is not, you know, I know this doesn't sound like a Harvard to you or whatever, but this is of international universities. This is rated, I think, like 125th in the world for international universities. Uh, outside of the United States, this is a prestigious university. Um, and so, so, so here this is. Let's, let's give this a, a look here.
Okay, so um, so we've we've looked at this, and uh, and I want you to listen closely that she was advocating uh, for something. Now it sounds first like she's just advocating looking at verifying Isaac Newton. Well, everybody needs to be verified just because you come up with a theory. She's not advo advocating for checking up on Isaac Newton's theories. What she is saying is that, first of all, she's kind of almost beginning from the premise that Isaac Newton created these rules. Like, he just decided them. Uh, but, and there are people that actually think that, um, which sounds strange. But, but what she's she's saying that voodoo, essentially this this ability, to, you know, cursing one person from a different place, sending electricity to 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 hurt this person, is just as viable an explanation for say lightning as as Newtonian physics is for explaining gravity or or anything else. I mean, like the this is this is and so this is called by the way this is called decolonization. You hear that phrase. Uh, if you haven't heard that phrase, you're going to hear a lot more of it. Uh, decolonization, it's, it's a new cliche. It's like deconstructionism. It's just a different postmodern rebranding. Uh, but it sounds great because it has, you know, it, it, it buys into some of the uh, some of the racial politics that we have today. I don't want to get into that. Th what I want to get and focus on is this this basic element that she is talking about as how people approach truth. Um, now, this is uh, at the same university. And this university it seems to be a hotbed for this discussion. Um, I won't play this clip for you, but there's a there's a, a guy from India that comes in. He's a, a professor of some sort and, and comes in and lectures on this topic, and they, they just think he's great. Uh, and, and his name is uh, C.K. Uh, Raju. And and so he advocates uh, for this, but when you listen to him, and it's, you know they use high dollar words, and it's a little bit hard to listen to them. Uh, but you can find his clips um, on on the internet as well. And and he actually blames one of the, one of the things he says is that well, it's the church. See, uh, what happened was in Europe, the church was so dominant that that they set up this this colonization of science and so they got to interpret the rules and so they set up these rules so that they could control everybody and that's that's the conspiracy um behind behind the way we need to then decolonize uh science and and knowledge well that's funny uh the reason that is funny is because if you went back in time and and you asked people like say Galileo or Copernicus in astronomy or a guy by the name of Ignaz Semmelweis, uh, or Francisco Reddy, uh, in in the in the areas of sterilization. If you ask someone like uh, uh, Mendel, who made some advances, early advances in in what what became a, an investigation into DNA, um, these men were either ignored or deliberately persecuted by the Catholic Church. They 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 would not feel if we asked them today. Uh, do, 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 were, were you a tool of the Catholic Church, you know, for to to be used to oppress the Church? As no, we were oppressed by the Catholic Church, uh, so so it was not their efforts and and their discoveries and their investigations into science were in spite of an effort um, 
by religious control. Uh, and, you know, Copernicus wasn't persecuted per se, but that's because he waited to release a lot of his uh, his studies until after he had learned from what happened to Galileo. He's like, I'm just going to wait until I die to have these things released or almost dead. So he never really faced the, the brunt of, of that. But I want to get into some of the logical flaws of this theory. Uh, there are some inherent logical flaws. Uh, we we talked about one, how, you know, it's, it, it, it's, you say something like, well, you don't have the right to tell me I'm wrong. Well, why do you have the right to tell me? We, we, that's, a, that's a logical flaw. It it's intrinsically shows the error of it. But um, the whole idea of, of postmodernism begins from the premise of, well, our subjectivity. It points out we are subjective. We're trying to figure out truth. And so it says, well, true objectivity is impossible. Okay, that, that's probably true. We as, we as humans have a very difficult time being truly objective unless, we, I mean, even in, in areas where there's, it's not a hot topic, you know, like politics or whatever, we have an idea and we're, we're kind of married to our idea. We want it to be right. We want to be proven right. So it's hard for us to be truly objective. But postmodernism kind of extrapolates that. And what it says is, since I can't be truly objective, then therefore there is no such thing as objective truth. Uh, and, and so what it does is exactly what this, what this girl is kind of doing, is she makes truth a creation of a man. Since a man comes up with a theory to explain something, and he is flawed, therefore science is flawed and knowledge itself is flawed and this is this is the logical jump where postmodernism just uh it, it it proves itself to be false humans do not possess truth inherently we have to look at it sometimes we look at it in a flawed way and it's also true that you can be biased and still be correct so that's another assumption just because someone's biased doesn't mean they're wrong you know, uh, so, um, you know, truth exists. It existed before us. We talk about that. We just access it, and we, we work on other people's principles and things that they've accessed, and we, we develop more theories in math or whatever. Uh, so uh, another logical flaw here is that this whole discussion, uh, uh, here they are having this argument about what truth is or shouldn't be or should— any argument over, and when I say argument, I don't mean a fight, although it kind of almost got there. Um, any type of argumentation or debate over a topic assumes that there's a result to be had. Uh, it assumes that there's, I mean, that we can reach a verdict on something, even if it, it's going to be completely different. You say, well... We can only have this discussion if we are agreeing on the premise that there is a truth to be reached. So, so this entire discussion uh, is uh, it, it supports the idea of truth. It doesn't invalidate it. Her entire premise defeats itself. Uh, it assumes laws. Discussion assumes laws. It assumes verdicts. It assumes judgments. Um, so, so those who would actually hold postmodernism to be consistent with themselves would then stop talking about it because there is absolutely no conclusions then that can be reached. Um, so, so the having of the discussion de denies uh, the premise. 
Now, I want to apply this. I want to go back in time and, and apply this because I, I want you to think about the, the silliness of this. Imagine if we apply this beyond some philosophical discussion in one, one you know, wing of, the, of this college. Let's say, we, I don't know what they study here at, at this university, but let's say we go down the hall and we go to wherever they study medicine. And, uh, you know, and, and let's say that this infiltrates into other, which it will, into other universities because nothing ever stays where it's put. And imagine John Hopkins, you know, one of the foremost, you know, medical universities in the world, decolonizing their medicine studies, uh, which have been based on proven research. And, and, and all of the cures and treatments and things that have been have come along. They say, well, all the science behind that was was junk science. Uh, it was based on Eastern Europeans and all that. And so, so we're we're gonna uh, or Western Europeans. We're, we're gonna get rid of all that. We're gonna start over from scratch, and we're gonna say that anybody's interpretation is just as good. And so, uh, you know, we're gonna have you know. Uh, so forget your chemotherapy. You know, just have these Himalayan salt crystals, and then that'll do just as good. Now that's silly, obviously, right? We wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't do that. We understand that that medicine isn't going. We hope medicine isn't going to do that. You know, we believe in study, and observe, and there's theory and there's experimentation, and we and we come up with conclusions. And and science is going to do that. Medicine is going to want to do that because it's going to want to want to make a profit. But, um, so let's not be so silly. But let's say a doctor rationalized, and I've actually had this put to me when I lived in Ukraine. I had somebody use this logical argument. Here's a person with inoperable cancer. That's bad news. Bad news causes anxiety, and uh, and anxiety can lead to depression. We don't want a person in the last legs of their, you know, uh, 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 of their life. The last, it's inoperable. We don't want them to suffer depression on top of that. So what we'll do is we'll give them a false report of health. They'll live un until they die, you know, which they're going to do anyway. But for the majority of that time, they'll at least be happy, you know, <coughs> which is a flawed argument. And that you can probably pick it apart yourself. But that kind of thing will happen, that subjective, what's called situa situation ethics or subjective morality, will happen as a person or a entity uh, decides that that we should have subjective rules uh, as as a as a as supporting our science, or what about crime? We could look at crime. We we could look at we can look at any area of our of our society. Oh, we have a, a lot of crime. Okay, so we want to lower crime. And so we're going to just kind of push knowledge off the board. <clears throat> Let's decriminalize. Well, we've seen that. Let's decriminalize marijuana. Okay. And now, uh, you may not know this, but uh, but like even in places like Oregon, they've decriminalized almost all narcotics to a certain amount. Uh, possession of heroin, possession of cocaine, in certain amounts. You get you do not get in trouble in Oregon. Now everybody's going, hey, I'm going to move to Oregon. Mm. You, If you've seen Oregon in the news, you probably can connect some dots as to why things are happening in Oregon like that. There's a, an increase in crime. It doesn't... Just saying, oh, the problem's solved, so we don't have any crimes. 
uh, because we decriminalized it, so there's less crime. No, you just changed the definition. You still have uh, increased homicides. You still have increased uh, accidents. You still have increased health problems, right? Or, uh, you know, we noted a couple of weeks ago how the family declined, right? So let's let's go back there and, and look at the influences of, of circumstances and things. Right, we let's let's review that same time frame now with with the view of relativism as what's happening as as people are defining. Oh, let's let's define uh, family, dis, you know, uh, the family differently. A at the beginning of that, family dysfunction was just a result of circumstances. World War One, PTSD. World War Two, more PTSD, alcoholism. Right, but now the dysfunction is a result of the ideology. Now. Um, Every alternative to what we used to call the nuclear family is what is celebrated, and the the traditional home, uh, a father, mother, and their own kids, you know, that is attacked. That is, that's that's outdated and archaic. Well, so so when we do that, what what has happened as a result of the ideology? We look at the results of this, right? Well, since that movement, crime has increased. Depression has increased, suicides increased, substance abuse, eating disorders, all sorts of societal decay issues have been on the rise, right? But we're not supposed to connect any dots, right? We're we're just supposed to say, well, those are those are completely unrelated. Well, uh, we move on into economics. Now, the greatest evidence, probably, of of postmodern uh, decay is seen in its impact on society because we can trace this from different from different countries even across the world uh, in different movements now I, I we said that postmodernism began in the 1890s or, or excuse me in the 1960s out of modernism which occurred in the 1890s and it, that's actually not true as we talked about uh, there's nothing new under the sun that was when this particular movement started but it it's older than that. Probably a, a lot of postmodernists quote people like uh, Voltaire in France and, and Frederick Nietzsche and various ones. Well, what ideas did they spawn? Well, the French Revolution, which was a failed revolution, um, <clears throat> the Bol Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, it led to, I think it was called the, Euro uh, the springtime of Europe or whatever, which is more revolution. It read, led to fascism in the early 1900s uh, in multiple different uh, countries. It led to the Chinese Revolution and various revolutions based on communism around the world. Every one of those is socialistic. Now, this is not political because socialism isn't politics. It's actually economics. And I don't even want to focus on the economics of it all. Now, we, we can look at the failed economics of those countries. But there's something more. As I say, all these things touch spirituality. Every one of those, every one of those, start from the French Revolution, every one of those has either eliminated, oppressed, or uh, really watered down, made sure it was watered down, Christianity in particular, and religion at all, uh, where possible. Th those socialism is based on postmodernism. And where if you know 
a postmodernist, you know a socialist. They they are the same person. They will they will you'll never hear a a postmodernist go. You know what? I I really like Ronald Reagan. You know <laughs> you know someone like that. They they're not in favor of of capitalism. Uh, it, it is and I I don't know why. I don't know what the connection is, but there's a connection intrinsically. Uh, and what further connection is more important to us is that all of those societies that have picked that economic system have tried to eliminate God. We're seeing it in our own country as we move in the same direction. There's an attempt to eliminate Christianity and religion and isolate Christianity. Because with God comes what? With God comes absolute truth. With God comes an inherent, an implied disapproval of bad behavior. And let's face it, those who support socialism, you can you can look at the people at the top of those, at the top. I'm not saying at the lower levels, but at, at the top levels, it's, it's all about confiscating other people's power and, and consolidating uh, wealth for themselves. And, 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 so to do that, you have to do, use immoral means. And to have a God around saying, you probably shouldn't do that, that's inconvenient. So we have to eliminate God. Uh, and so what what results in every one of those countries? The practical application, just like we see in crime, just like we see in medicine, just like we see in the family. We see poverty. We see addiction. We see higher crime rates. Right? And, and we see more depression. We see more uh, suicide, th- things like that, right? Uh, we move on to education. Right? Uh, let's look at education. Uh, well, Cape Town is probably going to change their curriculum. There, there's a big push to do so. I, I, I don't see anybody stopping it. I see everybody over there excited to. Uh, and and I'd never even heard of this university before. But what happens there, as I say, uh, what happens in one institution that becomes popular will be will be picked up. You'll hear this phrase. I guarantee you, you'll hear this phrase uh, sooner or later, if you haven't already. And so, it's gaining certainly in third world countries, and it's not going to stop there. And so, so there's a, there's a couple of possibilities of what's going to happen. Now, either Cape Town, that that curriculum change is going to infect all of their other areas of their study, so that they become less productive as they change all of their science and that's going to affect their medicine and their technology or whatever whatever productive outside of philosophy whatever productive courses they have are going to be affected by that that's one option the second option is they're just going to realize that this is just gobbledygook talk and they're going to keep it on you know in the philosophical wing uh, that that type of thing, as we've seen, doesn't it didn't stay with artwork and it's not in literature and it's not going to stay here. It's going to work to other things. And and the other thing is is that it could happen it, is it, it could you know reverse itself and and people could rebel against it before you know some ideas are unpopular and, and don't get too far uh, once they're tried. And that would be. The most hopeful thing I have is that that they're going to try it. It's not going to work, and it gets rejected. You know, <clears throat> well, so I want to talk about truth. Um, 
obviously truth has different applications. That's not what is meant by the phrase your truth or my truth. You know, you have your truth. There are obviously different applications. In time, there are different applications for different people. There are different applications, but it's all the same application of, of or it's all different applications of, of what is really truth. Now, sometimes people define something as truth and it's not. Um, the, I talked about that article that said, you know, well, two plus two is five. And I read the article. Uh, and the article really wasn't saying two plus two is five. What the article was really saying and it was trying to define it within the terms of postmodernism. But what it was really saying is, if we add all these other variables, then we can say 2 plus 2 is 5. But as soon as you say 2 plus 2 plus x minus y, it's no longer 2 plus 2. There's a lot of different variables now in the equation, and that's really what the article was saying, which, which it didn't really support the argument. Uh, but postmodernism uh, wants to, to, you know, it has this credo. You can't legislate morality. Oh, I can't legislate morality. Okay. I don't like absolutes. I like all these other variables. Okay. You like all these other variables. So if I point a gun at your head, you will suddenly believe in absolute morality. When it's when it's applied, as long as it's a philosophy, we can we can have fun and argue about it. But as soon as we really start to apply it, then we see that it doesn't work. Let's say I'm your employer. We've a, a, agreed for that your salary is going to be $25 an hour. And and you're you're getting paid $25 an hour. You work a full-time week. Now, you're going to come in, and you're going to expect, uh, at Friday, you're going to expect a check for $1,000. You've worked 40 hours, $25 an hour. Well, I'm going to give you $800. You open up and say, wait, 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 wait. where's the other $200? I was like, I never said I was going to pay you $1,000. Yeah, you did. You said 40 hours at 25. I said, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. My truth is that 40 times 25 doesn't always equal 1,000. In fact, it never does for me. Well, you would instantly recognize the problem. We can't exist as a society without absolute truth. There has to be absolute truth. Uh, Acts chapter 17 there's a, and I said this always inter intersects with spirituality. Paul is is talking about he's in Athens and he's talking to philosophers and he says, you know, God really he he set our boundaries and he he, he created us to look for him, and he's not really so far from any one of us. In other words, all of existence is a place from which we can connect with God through truth. And this was a group of people that loved wisdom. Um. So so I want to offer you a challenge. And the challenge is, again, not to just be all depressed about the world and giving up on truth. Because there's always people that want truth. And I think this, is, this movement is probably the minority. Unfortunately, it's a very vocal minority. But what you can do, even though it feels sometimes like this is an overarching thing, um, you can begin today to do something uncomfortable. You can acknowledge that there is an existence of absolute truth. Uh, you have to establish that premise for yourself. I don't mean absolute, even when it's inconvenient. Uh, because then you can look for an answer to problems. Now, you might, won't always find them because that's what the process of gaining knowledge is. It's, it's difficult sometimes, and sometimes there's no way that we can know the answer. And it will feel confining at first. It feels like you're saying, you know what, uh, 
to, to say there's only one right way or one, you know, to say there's one truth, that feels confining. However, it is actually comforting. Once, you know, at first, it, it, we don't like to be limited, but once you realize that there is a truth, you realize how nebulous, really, and, and inconclusive postmodernism really is, this relative knowledge. And it cannot improve you. You cannot be improved by postmodernism because you can't ever define anything. You can't say, this is a better way to do this. Well, maybe it is, maybe it's not. So, you know, uh, begin by accepting a couple of realities. First, that we are intrinsically biased. Yes, we are. Um, we are limited also in our abilities and ca our capability to come to complete knowledge and grasp it all. But none of these deny the existence of the truth. The truth exists. We are limited. The truth is not limited. The, tr the truth is we are limited. Uh, and so uh, when you come up against those difficulties, because, because you will notice if you, if you adopt this premise, you will notice an increase. You say, there is a truth. I'm going to find it. You'll begin investigating, comparing, competing ideas for things. You will find the better one. And in the process, in the meantime, when you come up against those things that are difficult, do what uh, one of my teachers said. He said, just put it on a hook. Sometimes you'll, you're not even looking for it, you'll, you'll come across an answer. That explains that answer. Uh, or or you just might develop enough knowledge that you can come back to that topic later and say, you know what, or come across somebody else's information who studied from a different perspective and 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 put yourself in a, in a, an arena where where different people are trying to accumulate this knowledge and and then as I say, the most important stuff that you can work on uh, as you're trying to put your world together in knowledge is to find out how it connects spiritually, uh, because that is where the most improvement um, will happen for you. More important than economic or educational or any one of those um, improvements that we like to make, your spiritual improvement is the most important. So uh, I hope this benefits you. Again, uh, subscribe. Uh, look for us. Uh, whichever way you're listening to this or watching, uh, we have both audio and video podcast. You can you can find those um, in the links in the descriptions for 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 both, uh, and and take advantage of some of the other resources that we have, and uh, go out there have a great week. Mm -hmm.